Well, we are in uh, John uh, 12, and we're going to be covering some ground this morning. Um, we're going to read uh, John 12, 9 through 19, then talk a little bit, and then read uh, John 12, 20 through 26, and then talk some more. But it's, it's going to be... Um, it's not going to be longer. It's not two sermons. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's one, and it's not, it's not going to be any longer. Don't be worried. But uh, let's go ahead and read John 12, 9, 1, or John 12, 9 through 19. Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. Therefore, the chief priests decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserted, deserting them and believing in Jesus. The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna. He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one, the king of Israel. Jesus found a, a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Meanwhile, the crowd, which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. This is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done these signs, or this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Um, Yahweh. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father, the, the God that Jesus Christ, the, the visible image of you revealed to us and uh, gave us a clear picture of what you are about. As he was revealed as the Christ, we look, we look at Jesus and when we see Jesus, when we hear Jesus, when we think about Jesus, when we, all of these things we are hearing and we are seeing God. Thank you, Father, for each relationship in this room. Thank you, Father, for each relationship with you, God, whether that be a, a bad relationship, whether that be a relationship not on speaking terms, whether that be a relationship that doesn't know that, that you are personal and you are close and you are available. I pray that we each acknowledge more and more and, and come closer to the understanding that you are right here with us, present in this moment, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, like I said, we're, gonna, we're, we're looking at these, um, 
these first chunk, this first chunk of scriptures just to kind of build the setting in which we're in, because after this, um, Jesus, until the end of, of chapter 12, and really in the next chapters to come, gets, goes really deep. And um, he says a lot of things about him, about him being glorified, which he's speaking about him being glorified as him being lifted up on the cross. Um, he says a lot of, of what he has come to accomplish and what he has come to reveal. And we kind of have been seeing these pictures of him fulfilling all of these prophecies and, and things in the Old Testament. And he has come to fulfill the, the Torah, the law, and the prophets. And um, he, he, has, he, has, he has basically done that, and we've seen pictures of that. And um, now we're going to get a lot of exposition from Jesus in, in the chapters, at the end of this chapter and the chapters to follow. So we're kind of using this to kind of set the scene and just to kind of um, be aware of the setting of this situation because we'll look back to it. Um, Jesus and who he is and who he, who he said he was and who others said that he was is very important. And he's important to me. And I have to testify that um, the light that comes from Christ is, is readily available to everyone. It is here and it is now. And he, he is revealed to us, the Christ is revealed to us now through the Holy Spirit who is sent to us. And um, it has come to change and expand our perspective more and more and more every single day that we're alive, every single week that we're alive, that we are supposed to be growing in the understanding, in the growing in the perspective of what Jesus did and what, what, what God has done and what Jesus did by coming and representing the Father and what the Holy Spirit did as also a sent one. We're supposed to grow and develop, and, and, and um, our perspective is supposed to um, get a lot larger and bigger, and we're supposed to be able to see more and more every single day of our lives, and things that a couple years ago we thought that this thing was really, really important. Um, and now we kind of grow and we develop, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that thing isn't important, but in the light of the revelation that Jesus Christ has come and revealed to us through the Spirit in, in, the, in the infilling and in all of this, we realize uh, where to place things properly and, and prioritize different things, where, where um, doctrines and um, debate between two different things are not as important anymore. They're just not important. Because the Bible is an ancient Hebrew document put together in surviving thousands of years. And they talked differently back then, and they, they had different languages back then, and Hebrew was a very different language than our modern um, English language. And if you study linguistics, Hebrew was what they called a word-poor language, meaning they didn't have a lot of words. And our English language is a lot different 
some languages like Chinese and other languages, they didn't have these tenses like present tense, past tense, and future tense. And they've done studies in, in our English language that because we have such thing as a future tense, that we always talk either about the future Oh, the weekend, I'm, a, I, I'm working, there's songs written, everybody's working for the weekend. Just, just to get to that point, or everybody's looking to the next holiday, or everybody's sad about the past, about who broke my heart, or different things like that. So because of our language, and because of the way that it has shaped us as a society, we have gone, uh, we have gone from being people who are present with the ones that we love, present with the God that we love, to um, basically nowhere. We're always looking to the future or we, we're always looking to the past. And, and this, this scripture and this text is, is showing that to us. And um, we can't, with all of our language and with all of our understanding, and all of the, the understanding of the advancements of technology and science and everything, take everything and try to fit that into what the Bible is. Because the Bible is something else. And um, mod modernity and understanding and all of the developments of knowledge is another thing. And they're not, they're not contradicting each other. They're just doing two different things. The Bible is telling us why, why we are here, who God is, and what this narrative is. It is not a science book, and it is not anything like that. It is a book that is alive, and it is, is a story that we're supposed to look at and learn from. And that's just that. So, so when you look back at the Bible with all of the knowledge, you have to. You have to switch the way you think about the world and think about, think the way that a person would think while reading this. A letter to a person, a, a book to a person, a, a story that is very personal to a group of people that are Israelites. They are Jewish people. They are not Americans. And then also um, in the first century, so centuries divided um, between us here and them there. And, but, but the word of God, the word of God that is Christ, the word of God that in the beginning was the word and that word became flesh and dwelt among men. So the, the Bible defines what the word of God is and that is the person of Jesus Christ. So, that person that is Jesus Christ transcends and the truths of the word jump off of the page and minister to us. So, we need to start thinking about some of the words that we, we use. And one of these words that I've been thinking about recently is the word faith. And about how we have all of these different definitions that we're ascribing to the word faith in the 21st century. And we're, we're, we're giving all of this baggage to faith, which biblical understanding of what faith is in the New Testament is simply just a trusting relationship. That's what it is. It is a relationship of trust. When we think about faith, something that is important to, the, to a relationship with God, why do we, 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 we turn the definition of faith into something else and we put value in formulas? And what this scripture means or what that scripture means? Or we have faith in how we use scripture.
We have such a cold, cold language when it comes to our new life, life with God and salvation. We, um, some talk about standing on the word of God, and um, that's good for them, but I rather have a relationship with Christ who is the Word of God. I rather have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not standing on Jesus, and I'm not going to use Jesus. I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus. And yes, you stand firm. And yes, the Word of God causes you to stand form, far, firm, firm. But I am not standing on Jesus, who is the Word. When I get into a situ situation of pressure and the walls begin to cave in, instead of some people, instead of going to the creator of the universe who, is, who, who we have access to through Jesus Christ, they've been told that you have to problem solve and use a formula. Well, what scripture are you standing on? Well, what are you quoting? Are you getting up and are you using the right words? I'm talking about a relationship. I'm not talking about how we can use anything because that is wrong and I think that that is very dangerous and then I think that it creates a whole nother religion that is dead and wrong and just, just another form that is just a counterfeit of what this was supposed to be in the beginning where God said, I want to have a people. Yeah. I will be their people and they are I will be their God and they will be my people and it'll be about relationship and I'm going to take care of them and I'm going to make promises to them and, 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 and they're going to be able to stand firm in those promises because we have a relationship with one another a dialogue that goes on. And how much more when we have Jesus who walked on this planet earth, who men witnessed and saw and spoke with and ate with and were friends with and were compassionate with. Jesus, the word of God, getting down on his hands and knees and washing the feet of the disciples. That relationship was real. Yeah. We're not, we don't have a relationship with a book. We don't have a relationship with an idea. We don't have a relationship with anything. We have a relationship with God who is real. And he's right here. And, and um, it's not a mental ascent. And it's nothing, it, it's, 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 it's you can actually step out in faith. You can step out in faith and actually act like you have a relationship with a real God. And he, he, he will be there with you, and he will walk through everything with you. This eternal life is supposed to be right here. It's supposed to be right now. One of the ways in which you can have a relationship with God is, yes, reading the Bible. But that is a means to an end where you have a, that's a means to an end. The end in which you actually have a relationship with God. I'm just saying. A, a personal relationship where, where you live by faith, walking with your creator God, talking with your creator God, having a relationship with him. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, uh, in the past we've told people about how, oh, it's a relationship, it's not a religion, but our suggestions would um, suggest other, or our actions would suggest otherwise. We have a better relationship with our opinions and what we think than with God himself. We have a better relationship with what we believe our duty is than with God himself. I'm here to say that the life that God has for us is that of an eternal quality and it is to be started to, to live in right now. With faith, we are able to face the day in relationship with God. Now this text that we're looking at today is setting the scene. We have tons of people gathering, talking about Jesus and Lazarus and what happened when, when Jesus stood at the tomb and, and spoke forth and Lazarus was raised from the dead. Even some people who were there when Jesus did that were, are here in this crowd. And what's happening is they're testifying. I was there. I saw this happen with my own eyes. And then it says that many people were believing in Jesus. So Jesus, they, they, they got palm branches, they put it on the ground, they, they, they said Hosanna, and this was all to fulfill a prophecy when Jesus sat on a donkey and rode in. It was to fulfill a prophecy, and that was him fulfilling something as the word of God. And it says that the disciples, in hindsight, the disciples didn't understand what was going on right then, which the disciples a lot of the times aren't understanding what's going on right before their eyes. But, but Jesus is right there before them, fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling a, a promise, fulfilling something that was spoken a long time ago. But, but the, the disciples are unaware. How many times in our lives are we looking to something, are we thinking about something else, or we're not in the moment, like I talked about before, but we're looking to the future, or we're worried about the past. And right before our eyes is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right before our eyes is something happening that God is fulfilling for us. Yeah. In hindsight, we can look back and say, oh, that was God there. Yeah. I didn't realize that God was right there. But how much more effective would it be to just wake up and realize, oh, this is God. I don't know how, I don't know what's going on, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, but I can see it and I see God right here, right now in my every single day life. I'm not looking to God there, I'm not looking to the God in the past, I am seeing, I'm remembering his steadfastness and his steadfast love that lasts and endures, but I'm remembering it and I'm seeing it right here in the midst of me. I am what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, just worrying about today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because it says in Ephesians 2.10 that God goes before me. He's preordained that I should walk in good works. So I don't have to look to the future because there's someone already on my behalf in my future going before me. So what does God tell me to do? Hey, right here, right now, you're going to miss something if you don't pay attention. You're, you're going to miss something if you don't wake up and see right here. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Just be with me right here, right now. Amen. Because of this, because people are testifying about Lazarus and, and Jesus, the Pharisees are kind of just like at a loss for words. They're like, you see, I mean, what, what are we going to do? Good riddance. The world's going with him. 
Unfortunately, we know what they're going to do. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Unfortunately, but fortunately, I mean, it's, that's just the way that it is. So this kind of sets up and goes into the next kind of text that we're going to be talking about where some, some Greek people hear about Jesus and they're like, hey, I want to see Jesus too. So we'll look in uh, John 12, 20 through 26. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now Jesus is speaking, and for the rest of the chapter, like I said, it gets deep. We get into deep waters, and Jesus says a lot in the next couple um, chapters. And, and even God's voice speaks about glorifying the Son. And then people are like, was that the thunder? I don't know. Maybe it was angels. I don't know. But we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to stop here and just kind of camp out on what Jesus is saying right here and right now. And we'll keep in mind... The, the setting in which this is in. All of these people, um, they just proclaimed Hosanna and escorted Jesus in on a donkey, and now he is here, he is somewhere, and, and um, there's some disciples that are trying to bring some Greeks, Greek people to see Jesus because they want to see him. But he, but he begins to, to kind of speak in this metaphor. He says, A seed that dies and is put into the ground produces a large crop. Now we know that Jesus is going to die. He's going to be placed in the ground and then Jesus is raised from the dead. The result of what Jesus did was seen in the book of Acts with more and more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that is miraculous in the sense that Though some of these people did not see him firsthand, they had an experience by the Holy Spirit, and they had become enlightened. We will look more at all of that, because at the end of chapter 12, John, uh, at the end of chapter, this chapter in John, Jesus says, those who believe in me actually believe in him who sent me. The works of the Holy Spirit who was sent works in that very same way in the book of Acts and today. That though the Spirit speaks in many different ways, through different means, he was sent to point us back to God, the Creator, the One who is three in one, the Trinity. So Jesus' death is yet again so much more than just for my personal gain. But this is the way in which God comes and invades this world and brings people back into an existence with him. 
and an existence that is eternal, that is for many, that, that many come as a result, that he is placed into the ground as a seed, and it, it brings forth many to be redeemed. Through one man's um, transgression, many become unrighteous. Through one man's act of obedience, many become righteous. And eternal, and, and it, brings, it brings them into an existence of eternal life. An eternal life that makes you look at your life in this world. And that's not talking about this earth. It's not talking about this planet. It's not talking about this creation. This creation is good. This creation is, was, was made um, by the words spoken by the Father, God, he, the Creator spoke. And in the beginning, the Creator spoke to what was voidless, formless, and void. What that, 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 that um, in Hebrew means, or the, the Hebrew word for that was the tohu vavohu. That God, the Creator, spoke to the tohu vavohu, which, which has many different um, translations in English, but one of my favorite is the wild and the waste. So there was chaos, and there was disorder, and the earth was formless and void. It was the tohu vavohu. And God, the the creator spoke and that word that spoke that's the word that's the word that word that spoke that's the word and that is Jesus that word that spoke was spoken and the, the spirit was hovering over the waters and when he spoke that word his word brings Order. It brings beauty. It takes what's disordered and disheveled and, and chaos and all of this and brings beauty and order and, and, and just everything comes together. So, so this world is beautiful. And um, man introduces death and sin into this world and creates disorder and kind of undoes what God did and made it so beautiful. And, and by Jesus Christ coming and bringing his kingdom down, he is saying, um, I am paying the price. I am, I am, you, you guys are screwing this up so bad that I'm going to come down and pay the price for all of the destruction you have introduced in the world. And I'm going to create a way in which I can make sons of God, sons and daughters of God, which Romans 8 tells us that this creation this earth that is good is er in earnest is groaning in earnest expectation for the re revelation of the sons of God so if this earth is going to be destroyed and hell going to hell in the handbasket and it's not destined for being reunited with heaven forever then um, the per people who are to blame are the sons of God, which, which I don't even think they're to blame. I think the people to blame are Christians who don't really understand what it means to be a son of God, who aren't actually actively being children of God, who have seen the light. They have seen this kingdom, and they recognize something, that this world has systems, and the systems of this world, you can have your status, you can have your place in this world. And until you um, come to the point where you see the life that Jesus Christ has given you, 
And like Paul, we talked about Paul, it was last week or a couple weeks ago, like Paul, when he looked at his life in retrospect, he was this guy that was a very popular um, Jewish man. He was a citizen of Rome, which was a good thing. Like, I mean, he was a citizen of Rome, and he was also a Pharisee. So he was a citizen of Rome, so he was, he was good in the eyes of Rome, and then he was also um, a Pharisee of Pharisees, which means, like, with all of his group and all of his clique, he was up there. He was awesome. He was in the upper echelon of society. And then he met Christ, and he met Jesus, and Jesus Christ showed him how ruined his life was. And he said, I don't care about that anymore. That world, that kingdom, I don't like that life anymore. In fact, what this is saying is, hey, recognize that the systems of this world that you already hate, by the way, you already hate your life in it. Because if you didn't hate it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't try to escape it. All of society is trying to escape what? This moment right here. They're looking forward. 10 a.m., Monday morning. I can't wait till 5 p.m. I'll punch the clock, go home. They hate their life. I can't wait till the weekend. I can't wait till Friday. You can't, if you can't be in the moment, what Jesus Christ comes and does is he shows you and he reveals to you, you already don't like it. Man, I could do the rat race. I could live in the systems of this world and I can serve it. I can serve mammon. I can't do both. The Bible is very smart. It says you can't do both. If you try to do both, you're just going to hate one. That's the thing. I have to be honest. I don't, I don't, I'm indifferent. That's the thing. I'm indifferent to the systems of this world. I'm indifferent towards them. They can do this, they can do that. But if I become anything but indifferent towards them, if I love them or I hate them, they will toss me around like a crazy person. I am indifferent towards them and I'm holy Godward and that's what the Bible tells me to be. This isn't something that comes later one day. This is something by faith, by relationship with God, you start living in right now. This eternal life isn't what happens when you die. Follow Christ to his death. Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. Right now, right here. That's Romans 6, verses 3 through uh, 3 and 4. We were baptized into Christ Jesus. We were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life right now. 
It continues on later on, says, So consider yourself dead to sin and, its, and sin's claims about who you are. Consider yourself to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. This world system and all the systems in this world is what draws us in and gets us to the point we're missing the mark. It is marred with sin, and I don't care if there's any type of mixture. It, it, you can't mix the systems of men and the, 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 the systems of men and the business strategies and the political strategies of men with God. They don't mix. Because once you mix them, they will just, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And then by the end of it, it you will, what began as what you thought was a great mixture will end up being overtaken by all of the systems that you tried to introduce. And it will drag what you thought was going to be great down into the dirt. Because you'll just be missing the point. Going down a road you were not meant to go down. Wake up and see the light. You are alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's our job to stand as a contrast to the systems. It's our job to be alive by faith in relationship with God. You're alive to God in Christ. God isn't interested in the power of mammon or money. God isn't interested in the power of weaponry. God isn't interested in the power of monarchies or politics or business strategy. None of that is a part of the way in, God, in which God's kingdom comes into this world. Like I said, he's already chosen a way. Jesus Christ, a seed, has died. And that seed was placed into the ground. And it sprouted up new life, and as a result, a great crop. Follow Jesus. Be his servant. Be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Be aware that you're baptized into his death and risen with him by his resurrection. You now have a new eternal life that is in contrast in the exact opposite of the life you had before that moment. It's a whole brand new existence. That's the way in which the Bible talks about the new life of Jesus, the new life of someone who has entered into the family of God. That's what he was talking about when he said to Nicodemus, someone has to be born again, refathered from above. That doesn't mean that your old life is mixed with your new life and then you continue on in the same strategies. It's a complete reality shift in which you start living in a brand new way. That you start actually, you, you come to a point coming to God as a living, a holy sacrifice. Not trying to bring anything, but coming in spirit and in truth, saying, here you go, God. Here I am. This is what you get. Have fun. And then you get to watch God. You get to watch God do something with your life. 
You get to watch God work on your behalf and go before you. You get to watch God, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives on the inside of me. And the life that I now live is by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. For if righteousness comes, which means in right standing, which means a life that is in relationship with God perfectly, by faith, a life, if righteousness comes by anything else besides that, then Jesus Christ died. His death is meaningless for you. If you think it's anything more than that. So what do you do? Hear God. Have fun. Here's my life. I'm going to take my hands off of it. You're the potter. I'm the clay. What, what, what does clay, what business do I have to say to the creator what I am supposed to be? Or what I am supposed to do? What's the most important thing? To you, I, I'm, I'm asking this question to you, and I, I, don't want, I don't want an answer right now. I just want you to think about this. What's, Im, mo, what's most important to you? Your life in this kingdom, the kingdom of this world, or your life in the kingdom of God? Because, there's, because the kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ, and that's the gospel. Jesus Christ was announced as the king of heaven and earth. And he, the announcement that he brought is the kingdom of God is among us. So, you have to ask yourself a question. Is my life in the kingdom of this earth, in the kingdom of this world, more important to me than the, my life in the kingdom of God? Because those two things are in complete contrast to each other.